0: A quarter of the NFL season is over, and boy, it certainly has been an entertaining 100th year of football. A lot of upsets, surprises, drama, and controversy has occurred in these last four weeks. I mean, we saw the Antonio Brown saga full of drama finally end, with the New England Patriots releasing the talented wide receiver accused of sexual misconduct and rape who only played one game. We saw two Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks injured and out indefinitely with Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints and Ben Rotlisberger of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We saw one Super Bowl-winning quarterback, Eli Manning of the New York Giants, get benched in favor of first-round draft pick Daniel Jones. And we saw the legend of Garner Minshew, a backup rookie quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, lead his team to victory in ways that are reminiscent of Tim Tebow in 2011. I knew I threw a lot of quarterbacks' names out there, but there are so many non-quarterback storylines that are happening around the NFL that has half of America talking. And If you're one of those football fans like me, I'll be dedicating a monthly recap episode highlighting one big thing I learned throughout the weeks, so let's get started. Okay, now that September is over, I have to get one thing off my chest. I have to come correct and say that my early Super Bowl predictions were wrong. If you did not get a chance to listen to my football is back episode, I picked the Green Bay Packers beating the Cleveland Browns in Super Bowl 54. Although I still believe my Packers pick can happen, I must admit I was fooled into believing that the Browns were legit. As Dennis Green said, they are who we thought they were. And the Browns, with all that talent and Baker Mayfield hype, I saw enough football to realize that they cannot beat the Kansas City Chiefs or the New England Patriots. They're not quite there yet. With that said, I predict that Super Bowl 54 is going to be a rematch of Super Bowl 1, an ironic homage to the 100th year anniversary. And that's the Green Bay Packers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Two elite quarterbacks battling out in Miami, that's my corrected Super Bowl prediction, that I'll stand by until the end of November, when the real season begins. Now that I've settled that score, let me dive right into the biggest lesson I learned in September, and that's the Elite Eight. The top four teams in the NFC and the top four teams in the AFC all have fatal flaws that can hurt their chances of winning the Lombardi Trophy. Those teams are the Green Bay Packers, Dallas Cowboys, New Orleans Saints, and Los Angeles Rams of the NFC, and the New England Patriots, Kansas City Chiefs, Baltimore Ravens, and Buffalo Bills in the AFC. In my opinion, these teams are the Super Bowl front runners. Yet, there are two more teams from each conference that not only missed the cut, but can replace any one of these teams I mentioned. And I'll discuss those teams later at the end of this episode. But first, let's talk about my Super Bowl pick. What I learned in the month of September is Green Bay is a great team. It's a solid team. They're 3-1, and yet they suffered their first loss of the season last Thursday against the Philadelphia Eagles. That game was not only a heartbreaker for Packers fans that saw questionable play calling from their rookie head coach, Matt LaFleur, and questionable non-call penalties that the refs missed, but it was a game that truly exposed the Green Bay Packers' Achilles heel. And that's the defense. Although the defense is an upgrade from last year, although it's by far Aaron Rodgers' best defense in his career, I talked about it in the podcast in August that this defense is really good. Green Bay did a good job of getting blue chip players added in the offseason like Ladarius Smith, Preston Smith, and Adrian Atmos, coupled with three years of solid draft picks and drafting corners and interior linemen. Yet their biggest weakness is run defense. Opposing running backs have thrived against Green Bay's run defense. Week two is where it gets interesting. Dalvin Cook. He is arguably the league's top running back and he rushed for 150 yards with one touchdown. Take week three, for example. Phil Lindsay and Royce Freeman rush for a combined 144 yards with two touchdowns. And lastly, we have week four, where the Eagles rush for 176 yards with Jordan Howard owning about 87 yards and two touchdowns. The point I'm trying to make is that any decent running back can run on this Green Bay defense. And although the running game is their Achilles heel, they're still a good defense. Now that I've covered my Super Bowl pick, let's dive right into the contenders. Let's talk about Dallas. The Dallas Cowboys are 3-1, and they suffered their first loss this past Sunday against the New Orleans Saints. Dallas' biggest weakness is when Ezekiel Elliott cannot run, Dak Prescott cannot carry the offense to victory. Look, Dak is a good quarterback. He keeps Dallas in the games, he rarely makes mistakes, but he is not an elite quarterback. Although he's in a contract year, and although he's playing lights out, the competition that Dak has gone up against has not been great. Just hear me out for a second, because I have to reveal the truth to a lot of Cowboy friends that need to hear these stats. Week 1 against the Giants, Dak threw for 405 yards with 4 touchdowns. Zeke rushed for only 53 yards. That's an outlier because Zeke held out through training camp and he was a bit rusty. Take week two against the Washington Redskins. Dak threw for 269 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Zeke, in the other hand, rushed for a total of 111 yards with one touchdown. Week 3 against the Miami Dolphins. Dak threw for 246 yards, 2 touchdowns, and 1 interception. Zeke rushed for 125 yards. Now, this is the point that I'm trying to make. Week 4 against the New Orleans Saints. Dak threw for 230 yards, no touchdowns, 1 interception. Zeke only had 35 rushing yards in that game with only 1 TD. Bottom line, the Cowboys offense starts and ends with Ezekiel Elliott. That's their bread and butter. And if they cannot run against tough defenses like the New Orleans Saints, then that's a big problem. You know, they still have to play the Philadelphia Eagles twice. They still have to go up against Aaron Rodgers. And if you calculate all those head-to-head matchups, I don't think Dak Prescott can win in those shootout games. Now that I've covered the Cowboys, let me cover who the cowboys lost to and that's the new orleans saints yes the new orleans saints are in the elite eight their record is three and one and their first loss of the season was in week two against the la rams when drew Brees fractured his throwing thumb in week two in the first quarter that's when things got interesting for this team he is going to be sidelined for up to six weeks and that my friends is their biggest weakness quarterback play is not going to be the same Although Teddy Bridgewater has been solid enough as a backup, the Saints are not the same offense that they were. And here's why. In Teddy Bridgewater's career as a starter, he's completed 73% of his passes, but he only averages 6.5 yards per pass. His total QBR rating is just 24.2 points, which is 29th out of 33 in the league. Only Kirk Cousins and Andy Dalton have lower scores than Teddy Bridgewater. Bottom line, Teddy Bridgewater in my opinion, cannot lead this team to multiple victories when they play tough teams. They still have to play the Jaguars, who are playing decent with Gardner Minshew. They still have to play the Bears, which is a tough defense. They still have to play the Panthers, which are playing surprisingly better without Cam Newton. And they have to play the 49ers and the Colts, who are actually doing better without Andrew Luck. They have to play some tough defenses. And yeah, they may be able to scrape by once Drew Brees comes back. But another thing that's hurting this team is how is Drew going to perform once he gets back? Is he going to be the same player? Is he going to be able to throw the deep ball? Because that's what this team thrives. They thrive in play action. They thrive in the shotgun. And they thrive when the ball is thrown past 20 yards. Teddy Bridgewater only passes the ball in the 20-yard window. And that's not good. That's a big, big weakness. Okay, so I've covered three teams in the NFC. I have one more team that I want to get to. And this is a controversial team, the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are 3-1 and, and they lost their first. First game in a big upset this past Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and in that game the Rams got exposed their biggest weakness is that they have no run game and when the Rams have no run game they have no offensive mojo It starts and ends with Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is not the same MVP running back that he once was a year ago. You have to look at the stats. In the first four weeks, Gurley has rushed for a total of 219 yards, and he has three touchdowns with only 49 carries. Compare that to his first four weeks last year, Gurley rushed for 338 yards, six touchdowns, and 79 carries. Bottom line, those stats prove that Todd Gurley is on load management. In 2018, he was in 84 percent of the snaps in the Los Angeles Rams offense. In 2019, he's only in 71 percent of the snaps. And it's crazy. The Rams did not give 40 million dollars guaranteed to the top running back in the NFL for him to only carry the ball less than 10 times per game. And this Todd Gurley injury really puts them in a bind. Look, those stats prove that this offense is predicated around Todd Gurley. It starts and ends with his performance. And if Todd Gurley cannot run the ball, then the focus on this offense is on Jared Goff. And Jared Goff is a good football player. He's on the cusp of being an elite quarterback, but he's not there yet. It all comes down to Todd Gurley's performance. And Todd Gurley right now is not the NFL's top running back now that i've covered all of the nfc teams let me get into the elite four in the afc and it starts with the patriots the patriots are the defending super bowl champions and they're undefeated but their biggest weakness is that they have no safety net for tom brady Last week's game against the Buffalo Bills not only exposed Tom's age, it exposed how the Patriots' offense does not have a number one target. In that game, Brady was 18 for 39 in passing, and he threw for only 150 yards with no touchdowns and one interception. It was by far his worst game yet. And although the Buffalo Bills have the best defense in the league, the Patriots won't be playing that defense every week. But in that game, The buffalo bills established the blueprint that has seen tom brady fail year after year after year you have to apply pressure in 2015 denver did it in that afc championship game they had so many sacks and they were able to jam the wide receivers at the line of scrimmage that's how you beat tom brady you don't give him enough time in the pocket and he makes mistakes in that game that's exactly what the buffalo bills defense did Brady needed Rob Gronkowski. He needed a player that could generate mismatches. But Gronk is retired. And now that Antonio Brown is not with the team, the Patriots don't have that weapon. I mean, Sonny Michel is now a goal line running back. Julian Edelman is not 100% healthy. Josh Gordon has lost a step and is not as agile as he once was. In that game, Philip Dorsett and James White were the Patriots' best wide receivers. In my opinion, that's problematic because if the Patriots want to win an eighth Super Bowl, they have to get past Kansas City. They have to outscore Kansas City. And as it stands right now, they cannot do that. Now that I covered the Patriots, let me cover who's behind the Patriots. And that's the Kansas City Chiefs. They're undefeated with Patrick Mahomes playing probably the best football I've seen. Mahomes arguably is the league's most talented quarterback. But the biggest weakness to this team is their defense. Their defense overall in both the run and pass is awful. Last week's game against the Detroit Lions exposed that. The Chiefs gave up a total of 186 rushing yards against the Lions. In the passing game, the Chiefs gave up 291 passing yards to Matt Stafford, who threw for three touchdowns. Bottom line, this defense is worse than last year. Any veteran quarterback that can remain in the pocket for more than 10 seconds can pick this defense apart. Although the defense is the biggest weakness, the success of this team is linked to that quarterback. And if he could beat the Patriots, he could potentially win a Super Bowl this year. Speaking of Super Bowls, let me cover a team that has had some tough Super Bowl losses in their history. And that's the Buffalo Bills. Yes, the Buffalo Bills are an elite team. They're 3-1, and their latest loss was against the New England Patriots. Despite the Bills having arguably the best defense in the NFL, they're still a young team, and that is their biggest weakness. Their weakness is Josh Allen. Josh Allen is an interesting quarterback because he's in his second year, and he's playing decent football. Yet, against top defenses, you start to see the age of this quarterback. He's inaccurate and he throws interceptions. Against the New England Patriots, Josh Allen was 13 for 28, throwing for 153 yards and three interceptions. He had four sacks and one fumble. That's a big issue. That is what's stopping this Bills team from beating teams like Kansas City Chiefs. And you can't do anything about that right now. Josh Allen is a young quarterback, and he'll get better as years go on. But That's their Achilles heel right now. They have a young quarterback who is eager to throw deep passes. Lastly, let me talk about the Baltimore Ravens. They are two and two, and their latest loss was to the Cleveland Browns. But the reason why I still have them as an elite team is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is a star. Although he is in year two, he arguably is the most dynamic quarterback we have seen since probably Colin Kaepernick. And I know that sounds outrageous, but biggest weakness is the defense. Just like in Dallas, for the Baltimore Ravens, if Lamar struggles, the defense cannot carry them to a win. The first loss against Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes threw for 370 yards with three touchdowns. Lamar had no touchdowns and threw for 264 yards. The defense could not bail him out. Last week against the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield threw for 342 yards and one touchdown. Lamar Jackson had two interceptions and threw for less than 250 yards. And the schedule is going to get tougher. The Baltimore Ravens have to play the Seattle Seahawks, Houston Texans, the Cleveland Browns for the final game, the Patriots, the 49ers, and the Bills. Teams that have quarterbacks that can throw for more than 300 yards with top-ranked defenses. That's problematic because that is at least six losses. That puts them at an 8-8 eight eight team, or maybe even a below 500 team that can miss the playoffs. So, I covered my Elite 8. Now, let me get into the two teams from the AFC and the NFC who missed the cut. And those teams are the Seattle Seahawks and Philadelphia Eagles from the NFC, and the Los Angeles Chargers and the Cleveland Browns from the AFC. Look, in the month of September, I've learned That the eight teams I mentioned in the Elite Eight have weaknesses. And the four teams that I mentioned five seconds ago are sleeper teams that can legitimately beat and potentially replace them in the Elite Eight rankings. Teams like Seattle have a legitimate shot of doing that tomorrow when they play the Los Angeles Rams in Seattle for Thursday night football. Teams like the Philadelphia Eagles also have a legitimate shot because they have not played Dallas yet in the two head to head matchups. They could potentially leapfrog dallas and be in the elite eight and of course you have the cleveland browns who were my old super bowl pick they have a legitimate shot of leapfrogging the baltimore ravens because they won one head-to-head matchup and they have one more to go and they could potentially beat them basically what i'm looking forward to in october is seeing these elite eight teams adjust to their weaknesses and seeing if these four sleeper teams can exploit those weaknesses and leapfrog themselves into the Elite Eight. All the teams that I mentioned today have a legitimate shot of winning the Super Bowl. It just comes down to execution. Okay, guys, that's a wrap for this week's episode. Remember to share and hit that subscribe or follow button if you haven't done so already. You know I'm thankful when you do so on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, or on my website, www.matts2cents.com. That's the number two. Until next time, guys, it's been a pleasure. This is Matt, signing off for the day.